Microchipping is more than just a good idea. It's your pet's best bet if they're lost or stolen. We talk microchips with Michelson Found Animal CEO Brett Yates on this episode of Pet Resource Radio. From the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. I'm Scott Cotter. And I'm Dave Shapiro. And yes, indeed, welcome to the program. This is our first episode with Sierra on maternity leave. So we have Scott with us for a few episodes to bring some real gravitas to my normally pedestrian proceedings. Uh, We're coming to you from the room we call the Fish Bowl here at the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City. We're a nonprofit whose goal is to keep pets and people together through supportive services for folks in need. That is correct. That is exactly what we do. And what we've got coming up as a supportive services for folks in need is in Raymore, May 22nd. Uh, that'll be a Saturday. We're going to do a drive through clinic there. It's going to be $35 for a dog full set, $25 for a cat full set, $10 for puppies and kittens, individual services. You can get a microchip. You can get single vaccinations. You can get a KCMO city license if you're, you know, you live in KCMO and you need that. Um, all, of course, brought to you by our friends at Nicholson Capital Management. They're sponsoring our offsite clinics um, in the month of May and June, I believe. Shout out to all my Cass County friends. Yeah. I grew up in Cass County. So, you know that the need is there. It it definitely is. And also, Sierra, we miss you. And uh, also, David, if you think I'm going to be the one to bring seriousness to this, uh, wrong answer. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, we do. We miss you, Sierra. We know you're listening. Um, or you said you would listen. Right, right. Um, Sierra gave birth to a beautiful baby boy uh, named Marcelo. He uh, was uh, a beautiful, healthy baby boy, and mom and son are doing wonderfully. Yeah, eight pounds and several ounces, 15 inches long. I have that right, don't I? Yeah. All right. Did a good job. For sure. All right. uh, How about we go do some pet news? Sounds like a plan. So it's good news all around on this episode. First up, a recent study out of the University of Pennsylvania shows that dogs can sniff out COVID-19 samples with 96% accuracy. Cynthia Otto, senior author on the work and director of the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine Working Dog Center, a very long name, explained that it's no simple task. Uh, Quote, dogs have to be specific about detecting the odor of the infection, but they also have to generalize across the background odors of different people, men and women, adults and children, people of different ethnicities and geographies. None of the nine dogs had any medical detection work before, and uh, but were able to tell the difference between odors of a COVID positive, negative and COVID vaccinated people by sniffing the volatile organic compounds they left on a T-shirt worn overnight. All it took three weeks of training. Uh. Confession here, I am a I'm a dog nut, not to be confused with a donut, um, though some people might suggest I look like one. Um, yeah, dogs are amazing. Their noses are incredible. And if for those of you who know my dog, Harper, um, she's really crazy, but she has an insane nose. And the other day when we were walking, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden she yanked to the left into the grass, and I couldn't figure out what she was doing. There was a feather. It was about 15 feet from the sidewalk, and she sniffed right up to it. And wow. that's what she was going for. So I can't imagine having a nose that strong. Pretty no. incredible. Yeah, it's pretty incredible stuff. And it's amazing just to see, you know, the application, the practical applications of something like that. 
I mean, they had a couple of false positives I saw, um, but uh, overall, you know, they said what ninety six percent accuracy. So I'd say that's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good rate. Might be might be more accurate than the actual test. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, cool dogs, you're awesome. Next up, some good news for Missouri residents. Missouri legislators passed SB 71, which, if signed by the governor, would allow judges to include pets in protection orders against domestic abusers. More than that, it gives judges the leeway to grant restraining orders for a longer period of time and include a provision that the order will be automatically renewed, keeping survivors from having to appear in court in order to get an extension. Research from the ASPCA indicates that 25% of domestic violence survivors have reported returning to an abusive partner out of concern for a pet. So this would be a fantastic thing if it passed. Um, the Because that's one of the things, especially in our partnership with Rose Brooks. Right. Um, you know, we, we, we know about and hear about stories of, you know, people who do return to abusers or who will not leave an abuser because they don't have anywhere to take their pet. Luckily, Rose Brooks has the facilities to take in those animals. But. Yeah. Which is why they actually started that because a lot of people in those situations won't leave because of their animals. Sort of like um, natural disasters when you can't, can't get people to leave because they don't want to leave their pets. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly it. How about we go have a conversation with Brett? Sounds like a plan. Chip Your Pet Month. It's no secret that we're advocates of every animal being chipped, but you don't want to hear more from us. So who better to have on to talk about microchips than Brett Yates, the CEO of Michelson Found Animals, a nonprofit that provides free lifetime registration and updating of microchips, but that also invests in the future of animal welfare by supporting folks looking to innovate new ways of helping pet owners. Welcome to Pet Resource Radio, Brett. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. So first off, let's establish bona fides. Do you have any pets of your own and what do they bring to your life? Uh, I have had all kinds of pets throughout my lifetime. I've had dogs. I've had cats. I've had fish. Uh, I tend to be the person that, that hoards the animals when I can. Yeah. Um, and I uh, find myself being more of a dog person, but I really liked having a cat also. Um, the great thing for me is that, you know, when I was a kid, it was, that was my solace. Sure. So when I got myself in trouble, I would always, come on, Sneaker. Sneaker was my dog when I was growing up. And <laughs> would she would be next to me and take care of me. And I, I love that. Um, and you know, in my adulthood years, it's been the same thing. It's really, you know, you come home from work and if you had a good day, you had a bad day, it doesn't matter. They're there for you and they are happy to see you and it just changes your whole day. Agreed. Agreed. So after 15 years, how many microchip pets would you say Michelson found animals is responsible for? And is there any estimate on how many pets you've been able to reunite with their families? Yeah, so we have sold over 4 million chips during our 15 years, and we have over 7 million pets in our registry. We happen to be one of the registries that will accept registrations from anybody, regardless of which microchip you have, mm -hmm. uh, and it's completely free. So uh, a lot of people have flocked to us over the years, and we have 7 million in the registry now. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. 
Why is accessibility so important when it comes to pet microchips? And how has Michelson Found Animals helped out the veterinary community in that regard? So the frightening thing is that in, in the life of an animal, one in three pets will become lost. And it's, uh, it's a staggering fact when you, you're essentially rolling the dice with your pet. You know, if you have it in the backyard, it could easily become lost. I've, I've had this happen to me also, and it's a frightening time. Um, so since one in three is lost, collars and tags are really helpful, but those can fall off on occasion. And the only, the only way that we have right now that is a certain form of ID is a microchip. Right. Uh, it's done certain it's surgically, but it's just an implant. It's just like you would, uh, have a shot at the doctor, uh, which is ironic in this vaccine time. Um, but it's the same thing for your pet where a microchip is uh, inserted under their skin. And then you register your name, your address, your phone number, your email address so that we can get in touch with you if that animal is ever lost. Um, the sad part of this is that the legal system also views pets as property. So right. um, although kind of devastating to hear it, it's really important to make sure that your information is updated so that if there's ever someone finds your animal and says, this is my animal animal, and I've had it for years, um, there's a quick way around that by saying, here, I've got my microchip registration. Exactly. Um, so uh, so it's, it's great to be able to, to make sure that you have that uh, permanent record in place. Yes, definitely. And I would say definitely, too, the fact that you can register any microchip um, in the found animals registry really just it makes it um, just incredibly accessible for anyone. And I know, you know, it's what we use here and we have found animals all the time in this neighborhood and other neighborhoods. And it's been really indispensable in us getting, you know, those pets and people reunited. So, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I'm super proud of that MFA has achieved over the years is when this was started 15 years ago, the price of the average microchip was up around $20 to a shelter mm-hmm. uh, because we have deeply discounted that uh, historically. Most shelters can get their chips now for under $5. Yeah. Uh, really just because we've pushed it that way. And other registries are now offering free registry also for life. Uh, it may be hard to get to, but they almost all of them offer a free registry. So that's, that's all just, directly because Dr. Michelson made this happen. That's so fantastic. Now, we talked about this a little bit. People tell us regularly that they're worried a microchip's going to hurt their pets. Now, we already talked about the injection standpoint, but then actually having the microchip inside their bodies, there's really no harm to the animal, right? No, it goes between their shoulder blades, and they they never even know it's there. So aside from the initial uh, implant that happens, they don't even think about it. Now, one of the problems that we come across often is that people don't understand how a pet microchip works. So, and it doesn't act as a tracking device. And then more than that, it's hard to get people to understand the necessity of registering the chip after it's injected. Now, how does Michelson Found Animals approach those issues? So there's quite a few things that we've done in the past to be able to address that. Uh, We launched a campaign in 2017 to help combat that. It's uh, called Bold Chip. Uh, And we had two videos that we created that uh, help to debunk some of the myths about microchips. Uh, those are available at our website at found.org. Uh, so anyone can go see those videos. They're also available on YouTube and some other locations. 
I really like those videos, to be honest with you, the the ones uh, where, you know, they're asking people about certain things and then they give their responses and it says bullshit because yeah. there's a lot of assumptions about uh, about what microchips can and can't do. So, um, yeah. So the other part is um, we on our brochures, we make sure that on one side of the one side of it, we talk about our products. But on the back side, it's how a microchip is not a GPS. And we. We hope that in shelters, they're showing both sides of that right. so that it's super clear what's going on. But, you know, the best way for, for anyone to combat this is when an animal is actually adopted to have that person impassioned, the person that's working at the shelter, to have them impassioned and say, hey, you really need to go to this website and register and make sure that it's updated all the time. Yep. If that If that person in the shelter is passionate about it, then... People will typically follow up on that. And that's good. Yeah, we definitely have a good, I think, compliance rate here. Um, and I think a lot of the materials that you all provide with the microchips help with that for sure, because it provides that kind of key component of education to the client. Um, but it's also a thing where, you know, we are able to take time and, and talk to the client and educate them and make sure that they fully understand, like, this is your best bet and getting your pet reunited with you. If, if something were to happen to them. Um, yeah. so yeah, it really is just a, just a, that education component just needs to be a part of, of the process when we're doing work here at the vet clinic for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you and have, I, go ahead. And so adopts, they, they get a, a bag of all kinds of stuff. But to me, this is the most important piece in that is to make sure that there's a microchip that's, being handled and maintained. Yep. I'm sure you have many, many incredible stories of pets and pet parents being reunited, but give us one of your favorite anecdotes about how microchip brought a family back together. Oh my gosh. There's so many good ones. Um, I, we uh, have the advantage and I love my job because I get to see these on a daily basis. Uh, so I'll tell you about a couple of them. So there's uh, a cat that went missing in Michigan and found its way home eight months later. Um, for me, this one is great because it was during the floods mm. Michigan experienced. So the cat became lost and Midland County and Michigan experienced the massive floods. Um, eight months later, a good Samaritan worked with humane society of Midland County and, uh, the cat was reunited with their owner. Oh, um, wow. and, and you know, that one in particular hits me because, uh, we were started because of Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. the natural disasters. You know, anytime I see that, I just I want to make sure that any animal can get home to their family. And uh, typically the animals are one of the things not typically, but it does happen where animals are the one thing that gets left behind. Yeah. Uh, and it's just tragic to me. So having reunion stories like that is fantastic. Yeah, it really is. One that was just featured on Good Morning America that was uh, really cool. It was a Michigan-based dog that got lost in Illinois. Three years later, they were found in the woods. Wow. And, and they were they worked with uh, DuPage County Animal Services to reunite the pet. Uh, just a great story. And every time I hear this, it's heartwarming. Yeah, we love that stuff. Um, you know, we love that here. We had a case mm, last week where we had somebody – who there they had their dog had been at the pet sitter because they were out of town and the dog got loose from the pet sitters and was gone and was found like the next state over. Um, wow. 
And, uh, you know, we luckily somebody that knew somebody that worked here happened to find it. So we were able to bring the pet in and get him scanned and, and, you know, get him taken care of. So it was another family reunited. And there were a couple, there's like two 10 year old twin daughters who were just totally heartbroken that the dog was gone and just being able to reunite them really, 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 really just did us a lot of good. It was a, a definitely a salve for the day for sure. Right. That's, it always feels great. So, uh, Finally, what kind of innovations and programs does Michelson Found Animals have in development right now? Yeah, there's a few programs that we're working on outside of the registry here. Um, one of them I'll share with you guys is, uh, for me, another tragedy in the industry is that so many people are having to sacrifice, having to surrender their animal mm-hmm. because of rental housing and the landlord or the owner operators saying that they won't allow a certain breed, a certain size. Um, and the lack of availability of um, housing that incorporates pets is staggering. So yeah. one of the things we, is we coordinated with uh, Habri, who is the Human Animal Bond Research Institute, uh, to fund some some research that was done. And we'll be using that during the next few years to, to help owner-operators understand that they could actually um, be on the, on the good side of this and it could – be a good thing for their business. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of people that are uh, kind of yelling at the building, saying, "Hey, you need to change your ways." Yeah. Um, we decided to take the the different approach and work directly with the owner operators so that we could work from the inside out and that's, help them what they could do differently. That's really fantastic. Yeah, it is. It, that's definitely in line with the way that we operate here. It's like if we come across a client who is, you know, in that kind of a situation where they have a landlord that won't allow a certain type of pet or whatever, we can sometimes talk to them and and work things out. I like the idea of there being something on a larger scale um, being done. That's definitely, yeah, that would be super beneficial because there's so many people that we come across every year that are like, I've got to move. I have to move now. And the place that I can get into, you know, doesn't allow pets or doesn't allow this type of pet. So yeah, it's, uh, that's the sad part of the business that we definitely have to change some of the ways the legislation works or that communities operate. Yep. Um, absolutely. And I, I could go on for hours on the great stuff that MFA is doing, but the other one that I do have to mention is the, we are doing scientific research on a non-surgical sterilant for companion animals. I saw that. Uh, and that to me is just super cool. Um, we are optimistic about some of the solutions we have in place right now mm-hmm. and uh, looking forward to getting through the testing and making sure that we have viable solution. Um, so if we can make that happen, then it really could change the breeding of animals worldwide. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of the population control that needs to happen, not just in the United States, but well beyond. Agreed. And that's, that would be fantastic. Um, well, we appreciate that everything that Michelson Found Animals does, not just in terms of, um, you know, looking for innovation and, and trying to create new ways to keep pets and people together, but also just the registry itself. It's really been indispensable, like I said, in terms of what we do here and trying to provide affordable and um, accessible ways for people to, you know, have a, some sort of positive idea on their pet. So we appreciate it. And we really appreciate you taking the time to come and, and, and talk to us today. For sure. Anytime. I appreciate it.
So that voice that you hear is the voice of our friend Bart. Bart is a very special puppy. And his story goes a little something like this. On the morning of March 4th, um, a woman drove into our parking lot with a dog in labor. A dog had been in labor for 12 to 16 hours. And point out, too, that she was very frantic. Yeah, she was very frantic because the dog had been in labor and no puppies had come out. Um, so they were afraid that one of the babies was stuck in the birth canal, which, in fact, ended up being the case. Yeah, and that's one of those things that if you don't fix it pretty quickly, then everyone is at risk. So while it's not the type of thing that we normally do here, um, our team clearly saw that there was a need and we kind of paused everything that we were working on and jumped in. I mean, I say we because we're a collective we, but I was on the other side of the building and everything was going so fast that we didn't even really know about it till this was already going on. Um, that's how that's how important and how severe this case was. Um, all of the puppies survived except for the one that was in the birth canal. Now, Bart was born a little bit different. He's got a double cleft palate, which means that he needs to be fed through a tube. Every um, every two hours. By every the way. two hours. So Ian, who works here, mm-hmm. said, I'll take that on. And the owners of the of the dog said, You can keep Bart if you're gonna do that. And Ian has been doing it for ten weeks now. It's every been two hours. Amazing. It's been amazing to see. And he's really doing good and he's thriving. But he needs a surgery. He's going to get surgery at eight, uh, 16 weeks. We have a surgeon who will do the surgery here at our facility. And uh, what we need is just uh, a little bit of help. So if you want to head over to GoFundMe and search for Help Bart Get Critical Surgery, that's the easiest way to find it. Just head to GoFundMe.com and search for Help Bart Get Critical Surgery. Um, what we're trying to raise is $2,000 to handle the cost of the surgery, plus um, anything extra that is not needed for the surgery will be donated by Ian to PRCKC. So even if it doesn't go directly to the situation, it's going to be helping someone else who needs help just as desperately. Yeah, Ian, Ian has done a wonderful job, and Bart is such a fighter. It'll be great to see him grow up as just a healthy dog and yep. love and life. So yeah, head on over to GoFundMe and, and give us a hand. And uh, thank you so much for in advance for anything that you can do. And now we say goodbye to you, friends. Big thanks to Brett Yates from Michelson Found Animals for being on the show today. If you want to learn more about found animals, you can head on over to foundanimals.org. If you want to get your pet microchipped, give us a call at 816-353-0940. And if your pet is microchipped, make sure that registration is up to date. Yep, yep. As for us, we're a nonprofit looking to help keep pets and people together, and you can help. Just head over to prckc.org and you can donate, volunteer, shop our store, and more. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcasting app, please rate us and leave a review. That always helps folks find us. And for the latest news about what's happening with the podcast, follow us on social media. We're at PRR Podcast on both Facebook and Twitter. So until next time, tail wags and purrs to you and yours. And as the English writer Samuel Butler said, The greatest pleasure of a dog is that you make a fool of yourself with him, and not only will he not scold you, but he will make a fool of himself too. Take care. 
Pet Resource Radio is a production of the Pet Resource Center of Kansas City, hosted by Scott Cotter and David Shapiro, written by Scott Cotter and David Shapiro, produced by Scott, David, and Sierra Howe, recorded, mixed, and edited by David Shapiro, music by Hazel Raw Musical Industries, a.k.a. me. More info at soundcloud.com slash Hazel Raw Musical Industries. 